0: Off The Record,
1: On The Rocks. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Off The Record, On The Rocks. I'm coming off of a fire episode last week with my buddy Ancarino. Laura, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great, Michael. Doing great. Tax day. Feeling a little bit light in my wallet and pants, but uh, otherwise, I'm good.
1: Uh, yes, I feel like we get into a groove. Um After last week's session, which was just, like I said, absolute fire, so much fun, thinking through all of the potential use cases. Then going straight into tax day, which Mm. really makes all of the conversation around crypto and whatever meme coins you're trading and whatever NFT floor price you're watching, that shit is real, man. And yeah, I I had to, to fork over to uncle sam uh some net net proceeds uh capital gains if you will i don't know how they're classifying this but you know the the tax season's now ended the regulators are now you know coming in you see new new appointments coming in from the administration uh talk me through where's your head from a political economic you know we're at, we're at tax day this is the pinnacle of political and economic decisions.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was under the impression, in fact, I even asked some of my relatives that when you file an extension that you're supposed, I, I always thought you paid your taxes later. But what I've learned is just because you file an extension, which is one of the first times I've ever done this in my life, is you actually have to pay the taxes today. And then you file the extension and that gives you six more months to basically go find rebates to try to like snatch back some of the money you gave to Uncle Sam in the form of, you know, submitting your different receipts and whatnot. So obviously yeah. they're never going to give you back what you're due. So you spend the money and you hope to get a little bit back. Or you, rather you pay your taxes. You hope to get a little bit back. Um, and for me, what was sort of the, the daunting thing, like you said, is what, what is it exactly? Right. Is it okay? There's an NFT is the NFT acquired at what day is that day less than one year? from now obviously it is most of the stuff we're talking about happened in the last six months eight months um is there a loss associated with it how do i characterize that loss um is there a gain associated with it how do i express that gain uh is it at our floor prices and current market prices relevant right. at time of filing taxes things are in flux so much that honestly i didn't have all the answers so i had to go and contact quote unquote some professionals <laughs> now, i'm not sure if you talk to any professionals before you filed, but uh, you know, I think you and I both agree, we're still in a wild west of figuring it out. And my favorite line from the professionals that I spoke with are, well, some of these tax laws and rules are up for interpretation. Up for interpretation are the three words that I've started to just kind of try to let soak in and try to figure okay. <laughs> I didn't actually realize as a young person growing up that so much of the real government is up for interpretation. And if you really get down to like laws and torts and rules, I mean, that's in fact why we have such a broad and such a, right. uh, you know, robust court system. So yeah. So, you know, to your, to the, to answer the question very directly, it's, it was, it was very challenging and, and sort of brutal because it made me have to think about all these things that I love. In a different way, like putting a raking light on it and seeing maybe it for what it is and thinking, God, you know, maybe I should, as we go into this next tax cycle, just maybe put a little bit more thought into what it is that I'm doing and not being quite so, you know, slapdash in uh, the fun that I'm having when it comes to things like cryptocurrencies, NFT. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a wake up call, I guess, I would say a little bit of a, of a rotten Easter egg, but uh, we've moved past it. That's sort of my impression of the season.
1: Yeah, I think... Uh... I mean, NFTs and the, the staying power that they have and the need for regulation around these as securities, you know, it's it's here. I think we're going to enter a transition period over the next six months, I'll call it. I think now that tax season is is officially closed as you go into the next three to six months, watch this space, right? Watch the SEC, watch the regulators come in. Watch those partnerships with Coinbase that we saw. This KYC that is is you know and will become standard uh, in order for companies to to operate. You know, OpenSea needing to know their customer. Um, the, there's a lot of speculation coming for tomorrow uh, on our favorite holiday of 420 announcements from Yuga Labs around Ape and Ape Coin and the the uh, the ape land sale. And a lot of the speculation around, they required, they did what is, I think the first KYC program run by Yuga labs, where you had to show up, authenticate your wallet, and then proceed to ID yourself. So literally a photo of your uh, driver's license front and back address, proof of address, and, authenticate yourself through this Yuga Labs portal. And many have speculated that it is how they're going to drop the, the land purchase within other side, the, their announced metaverse that's coming, and just put all that together. The companies that are going to win are the ones that are going to figure out how to know their customer are going and then use that to work with the regulators. It's, it's coming.
0: Well, so what that sounds to me like everything that is supposed to be decentralized is actually very, very quickly becoming centralized is what you're saying that there, there is now going to be some entity that's controlling the customer information for all those humans who choose to interact either with just the NFTs, but then ultimately within the metaverses that those NFTs exist in. And if we're talking about omni-channel and a pan umbrella sort of way to move across chains Then what we're saying is in order to exist in the metaverse, you have to identify who exactly you are in real life, that there isn't going to be a scenario where an avatar or your presence generally is anonymous. It sounds like that anonymity as an idea of why blockchain, everything is so interesting to some segment of the population. That sounds like it's being pushed aside and the mainstream is, effectively requiring and demanding a certain amount of data. Is that, is yeah. that what we're seeing? There's the, it the, does the, the, seem
1: that way. It does hmm. seem like exactly what you just described. And and I want to think a little more about it because I don't think that the anonymity is, is being completely taken away. I think that the anonymity is being removed if and when it becomes profitable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, but so. But that, that's, that's, a, that's, it. Like, that's I like mean, ultimate so- that's sort of the ultimate <laughs> paradox though, right? It's like you're anonymous <laughs> until I think you're too valuable to be anonymous. Now I know who you are. All right. Uh, because that to me says that it's like I mean let's not use the word bait and switch because I don't necessarily think that people are being baited into the metaverse, but certainly there is a an interest when you see celebrities that you care about on national television commercials endorsing exchanges. Mm-hmm. When you hear about the world's most famous web one, web two, and web three personalities, whether it's that's a, you know, a Mr. Rose or a Mr. Snoop Dogg, um, or a miss, you know, you pick anybody else. I mean, even Paris Hilton and the Kardashians give advice on this stuff. Whoever it is in the world that you follow is saying by putting their face to it, Hey, this is really cool and fun and safe. Let's just use the word safe. Um, you know, to get back to like Lego, putting a stamp with Sony on saying, we're going to do something too, and that's safe for kids. Um, but ultimately what they're saying is, Hey, you can come play. You can just sort of like be a guest or try it out. But then as soon as you want to, for real, join the community, become a member, whatever, well, actually now you're going to have to give us all of your personal information. if you're someone who's not 13 years old, you know, um, can you buy an NFT? That's a great question. Um, and if you, the answer is no, well, then is everybody who's under 13 who has an NFT lying the same way that they were lying when they signed up for Facebook and said their birthday was whatever day it was? Know your customer, I suppose, only works so far as everyone who's the customer is telling the truth. So at what point did the intersection of the desire of metaverse access collide with the reality of KYC because the companies who run the metaverses- NFT projects slash crypto are actually responsible and regulated. Well, I think that's an interesting oxymoron here, or I guess it's a paradox, I'm not oxymoron. Um, watch twice. the
1: space, I, and I think Yuga Labs is out front, just doing and figuring out exactly what you just described, because there is some, you know, back channel chatter around people who didn't want to do the KYC. So ape holders, mutant ape holders, who were eligible for this, uh, it was something is brewing. I don't want to say whether it was X Y Z or com. I think it was dot X Y Z. Um, do your own research, uh, but you yeah. had to go. You had to go to this website, and some people didn't do it. Ape holders were like, "No, I'm not going to connect my wallet. I'm not going to do a full KYC program." And uh, and now it will it will tell of like who is eligible for the minting or the purchase of this other side ape land. Um, which many also suspect you're going to be purchasing an ape coin. And maybe those who are eligible to purchase it are those who have KYC. So we shall see, watch the space, but I think you're right. It's an interesting intersection. Um, I'll come back around to the comment you made there about notable personalities and everyone shilling a project and, <laughs> and what has happened with, with moon birds. These guys literally taking these pixel owls to the moon in what felt like a very short order, I got a text, uh, Dushin, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but I got a text from Dushan saying, Hey, did you mint? Did you mint moonbirds? And I'm like, No, by the time I saw it, it was already at 10, 12, 13 ETH. And I'm like, Who is this? What is this? Upon further digging, it's Kevin Rose. Now, mm-hmm. I followed Kevin, I think I was originally introduced to Kevin, uh, uh, as they introduce, I just mean on my radar. I've never met the guy, but through, through, uh, Tim Ferris, who I had read the four hour work week, uh, a decade ago. And I believe Tim Ferris and Kevin Rose are friends. I know what Kevin, uh, did with, uh, why do I want to say with Instagram?
0: No, I- no. Um, What's no, his Kevin platform? Rose. I think Kevin Rose was one of the early guys. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny that off the top of our heads, we don't just know because yeah. he was the one who literally did everything in my world. Uh, rolling up, uh, I want to say he's like for real, uh, like a, an investor guy. Like he, he's he is someone. Dig um,
1: dig was it? He was the uh, he was dig. Not Instagram. I was going to say Reddit, but he started. No, but I feel it. like
0: he's inve- He's now invested. No, oh, Reddit, yeah. it was definitely big that he started, but I want to say he's invested in a lot of really big projects. He might have oh, invested yeah. in Instagram.
1: I just looked how how he made sixty million in eighteen months. So this guy, yeah, now he's a now he's a, a venture capitalist. He's invested in a ton of big projects, and now he's got his own NFT, which has Moonbirds has skyrocketed. So yeah, what is Where is this influx of cash coming from? Was he already in the market and said, you know, I want to be collecting my own royalties off of this stuff. Like what, what's your take uh, on, on the
0: Moonbirds? Well, to me, the Moonbirds is another one of these examples of people who uh, like the NFT market is, again, there is like a certain promise, right? There's a certain, uh, it's a certain community promise where are, Hey, are you an artist? Are you someone who can create something beautiful that wants to be collected? People want to collect. And if you are, then there's some community of people that will come and pay money. And then as it gets transferred around different wallets, you'll get some kind of you know royalties and it kind of becomes this really amazing moment where gosh, maybe we could bring the kind of, uh, you know, great compensation and notoriety packages that come with the traditional art world into something that's like digital. Um And there's like a great kind of normalization of the marketplace. Uh It it, it removes, it, in theory, removes the ability of the need for you to be physically somewhere important. Like, do you, you have to be at the Fashion Runway show in Paris? Or can you do your own Fashion Runway show in a metaverse with your own collectible someone's design and wearing wearing? Um, but what it kind of sort of seems like is... Now, as the celebrities come out and the named people in tech realize, well, wait a second, if I attach myself to a project and the project could literally be something as random as, like you said, a bunch of like decorated owls that are kind of 8-bit-y or whatever, um, and they call all their friends and their friends are allowed to go in and their friends all happen to have these massive ETH wallets, well, then you, in a way, can generate the amount of interest to send a thing to the moon Mm -hmm. with in a minimal amount of time in days uh and you yourself reap the benefit of it so to me it kind of sort of smacks like a whole bunch of people who already are kind of rich and kind of famous getting together to create something that a few of their pals come rolling in to who are rich and famous. Like when you talk about like, well, who are the original investors in Moonbird? Well, you go down the list I and mean, Kevin Rose is Kevin Rose. I mean, dig was something a while ago. Like what have you done for me lately? He's invested in some shit. Okay. Um, but then you got people like Snoop Dogg, and you got people like Gary V and you got people like, you start going on the list of like, wait a second. This sounds like a who's, who's list of the New York NFT con. Um, And of course, this thing goes to a floor price. What did you say the floor price was at this point? For which for the
1: for for Moonbirds is the floor price like it like. Oh, it's close. I don't know. I'm going to look right now. I mean, I Uh, want to
0: say it's like it's uh, it's up there. Like it's gone to like 90, 10 or whatever it is. But, you know, to the stuff that you've been collecting, this floor price has skyrocketed so much faster than anything else. And this one, so then
1: 20.69.
0: So you're 20. talking point six, nine ETH. That's yeah, the current talking floor. 60,
1: 64,
0: 65,000. $65,000 in like four days. Right. Okay. And so 10,000 of them. And like the, the board apes. what are the board apes at?
1: Uh, like a hundred ETH. Okay. <laughs> but it and took that's a taken, lot longer.
0: It took a year. That, it's taken a year. Right. So now what I feel like what we're seeing is, you know, and you've seen this before with like less sort of art and tech related projects. Like I, I always recall that famously um, uh, famously sort of panned NFT project that Melania Trump did, where Melania Trump rolled out these NFTs that were like various important moments in her husband's presidency. And there might've been some other things attached to it and what have you. And when it was revealed uh, someone did some investigations as to, well, who are all these people who came in and bought all of these things to like, so they quote unquote sold out in this record amount of time. It turned out that it was Melania Trump and her staff and people's wallets associated with them. So I'm not saying that this was like a 100% massive inside job, but at the same time, when you say, hey, what if I was able to call you and I know that you just have a wallet with 500 ETH in it and I can call like four or five or six of my other pals who have wallets that are similarly large because we've been in crypto and doing stuff and we know people like, you know, the, the fucking Winklevoss twins or whatever who come in and also buy one, and then we just launch the thing and just start having friends buy. Yeah. And maybe, so there's ten, maybe there's ten. Maybe there's ten thousand of them, right? And maybe you, me, and my pals, we get what like five hundred of them. I don't know what there. There's probably some data science uh, statistic number which would say in a data set of ten thousand unique objects, how many have to sell how fast in order to generate enough energy to sell all the rest on that same trajectory. Someone's thinking about it. And when yeah. you've got names like this attached to it, I mean, it took them what, four days? That's not that it's long. It's unbelievable
1: speed. Yeah, and and what this is where I think the early projects talked a lot about the utility. And what what is it that these people are doing? Because if we're going to treat it as companies or we're going to treat it as this concept of a security in a company, and I'm mm-hmm. just riffing, because that's the, the closest parallel that we have, then what is Kevin Run Kevin Rose doing? Well, he's investing. So now is this thing operating as a hedge fund? And by putting money in it, you're betting in Kevin Rose's ability to pay out that, you know, Ponzi scheme. Like, is that what it is? Because you could do that. I think the utility that I just described is possible entirely, um, and that the technology allows for it in such a way that is everyone can see what the floor price is and you can buy and sell and transact anytime you want. Um, it's.
0: Well, uh, well, so here's where it really gets me, Michael. I mean, the part that's, it, it, so what, what are the guys like Kevin Rose and Gary V and all these other dudes sort of have in common? Um, like I was saying before, the reason why anyone knows who Kevin Rose and Gary V are now is because they're investors, right? They, they put yeah. money into projects. They may have put money into like, I know Gary Vee put money into Uber. I know Kevin Rose has put money into numerous social networks, right? They, these guys have made some money in the past in the web two world, and now they're investing. So the community of what NFTs are supposed to be, the business was supposed to be. I think that they even maybe announced on Twitter very clearly that what they're, what they came out and said basically is this is not an art project. Like this is not about the little pixelated owls yeah. at all. Yeah, the, it's, within, a, it's a within, token. We, it's we a are selling money. We are we are trying to raise money. We're selling these little things to raise money. Like like you just yeah. said, you are becoming an investor in Kevin right. Rose, in Gary right. Vee, and then right. the question, like you said, is well, what's the company? What's the project? What's the anything? And their answer is, we're going to tell you. Like when we're <laughs> when we're ready to tell you what, what we're gonna do, we'll tell you. Like you're investing in an invisible product; it doesn't exist. And just hey, just sounds familiar, doesn't it? Tr- trust us, trust us. We're gonna raise a ton of money, and we're gonna do something really cool, and you'll be a part of it. But we don't, you don't know what it is yet. To me, it just feels like another classic. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call this a rug pull. I would call this like I don't even know what you call this. It's like, it's like a ghost investment. Like throw money into the the. The wake of the of the importance of the name of who it is who's doing it, and pray that somehow you get to jump onto that boat before it you know totally drives away into the night. Um, that's what I feel like. It's like they're selling the froth behind the rudder, you know, of what this where this boat's headed, and you have literally no idea where, and you're just holding on for dear life on a rope and a ski. And it buying, says. And buying what's empties. more,
1: each Moonbird unlocks private club membership and additional benefits. The longer you hold them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, the whole, everything about this is what makes me. And this, I think, dovetails us back into the conversation about some some administration, you know, maneuvers here in our federal government and bringing on you know, known quantities to be certain kinds of of regulation. We bring regulation to this market because as long as the the most important people in the the tech world can roll out and basically generate $280 million out of thin air for a project that has yet to exist, then you know the government is going to start coming and asking yep. the hard questions. And that's gonna unfortunately trickle down and affect all of us. Where we were talking just six months ago, it was like, God, well, if I made an NFT and I did algorithmic design and my AI program adds music, like, do I have to pay royalties? And we've got kind of all the little like fine details of what it means for someone like you or me to create something like this. And that and I realize is actually literally the last thing the government could care about. Because right. now you have people who have, who are already multi tens and hundreds of millionaires who've realized if I just in in one week's time using literally some bullshit art, I can make, you know, it's pretty soon it's going to be a billion dollars, right? We're 280 million in four days. Who's going to be the next person this year who has a billion dollar NFT drop with literally no company or project. And as soon as that starts happening regularly, I mean, my God, this entire marketplace is going to be just shut down by either this existing administration, whoever's coming in, in 2000, you know, and, and end at 24, I just, um, these kind of stories make me very nervous and uncomfortable for the future of crypto generally, to be honest.
1: It is interesting to see this, this link that you sent me about the, the self regulatory organization. Yes. And, and it makes me think I come back to the, until it's profitable, because if you are a Kevin Rose or a Gary Vee and you know it can be very lucrative. It can be very profitable. You want to work with the regulators and all of a sudden you're like wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna self regulate. And I'm going to tell you guys how the rules should be written. We've talked mm-hmm. about this. We've been here before. This mm-hmm. is what social media meant for, quote, full and fair disclosure. That was the line that they argued over of what met the requirement of full and fair disclosure. Well, we're going to get the crypto equivalent of what is the definition of this NFT project, right? We're going to get the, the Web3 equivalent Coming soon in 2022, again, I will double down on that prediction that you're going to get it. You're going to figure out what is it that we're actually talking about here. They're going to distill it down to this pivot point of you have to define the project or it has to be KYC. <laughs> right like that that may be what it comes down to in order for you to operate these and make a profit you have to know your customer because we want to be able to see how the money is transacting to and fro and who owes us taxes
0: yeah I mean I think you're you're dead on, on that I mean the, the the this market is moving so so fast that that these guys know this is the moment this is the time to get themselves out in front of it and to to make the big play. With, with two, the <laughs> IPOs of companies that didn't have any real product was sort of the same idea, right? Originally you would IPO and say, well, what's the name of the company? Well the company is called milkandcookies.com. Well, what does it do? we deliver milk and cookies or whatever it was? And was there a scale plan? What did could it work outside of a 10 by 10 mile area? You know what's your? Is it a website? What's it called? It was called Broadcast.com. What do you do? We're going to broadcast stuff there. But (laughs) but broadband isn't penetrated enough in the world to actually (laughs) send. That's what we're going to do. But it will. We're going to do it, right? And so hundreds of millions, billions would flow into these companies, speculating, speculating investors, etc. And then what ends up happening? Most of them go belly up somehow, some way. I'm sure people can declare bankruptcy or refactor their debt, and somehow not take that much of a hit. Or and some people are, are are ruined. And we've seen the movie, we know how it ends. So now enter this new Web3 world where, you know, at least in the Web2 world today, if you want to have an IPO, the rules in place are things like, well, you have to file on this one, then you have to file on this, and then you have to have a tax ID and your company is registered in a specific state in the United States, or it's somewhere international. And there's there's different rules about taxes and clauses and this, and you have to have a board and the thing. And there's so many regulatory uh, details check boxes that you have to mark as you go through before you say I fu- I'm founding a company I'm taking other people's money and now I'm going public all those things require massive oversight almost to the point that makes it really hard to do which is why there isn't like 28 people ringing the bell every day at the, at the you know stock exchange so
1: I, I'll say billion dollar idea over the next decade is Dow to public company interoperability. Dow's Mm. a public company interoperability, meaning a company who matches the taxonomy of a Dow's programmatic algorithm to the current structure of an IPO S1 filing. You could map the the code to execute the filing.
0: Well, and maybe, but maybe the the filing itself evolves. Like maybe this actually changes Uh, the way everything else is done. I would actually kind of throw that back a little bit and say... You know the blockchain is going to become the ledger that controls yes. the IPOs, the ICOs, these kinds of investments, and yes. everyone has to come on, on board with that. And this, may, these kinds of advancements in tech may actually retroactively affect the way that any normal company like gets listed and can take public money. Because um, where I was going with that is, you know that you don't. So if they follow the same model like Moonbirds and all these guys technically don't really have to have a company, right? But they absolutely, I mean, sorry, like an idea of what they're going to build, but they have to have a company, right? They're going to call it Moonbergs, let's just say. And someone's going to come looking or knocking on the door of, uh, you know, Mr. Rose or Mr. Vaynerchuk or whomever the main investors are and start asking questions like, hey, you guys made $280 million for your product that's forthcoming. We're okay with products forthcoming. However we're not okay with taxes being paid forthcoming. Like, you got to pay now <laughs> and you, yeah. all the money you've made, even if you don't have a product in market. Yeah. And like you said, now I'm not realizing, yeah, why would, why would Gary or Kevin want any, like, problem with the law? Like, they don't want to go to jail, and they probably don't want to, like, have their wages garnished. So they probably are going to be those guys who just saddle up next to, yeah. you know, they'll help write the rules. Zuckerberg <laughs> and go to Congress and, like, testify about what yep. it's like to launch an NFT and, confuse the world even more. I I think it's all bad. These kind of stories to me are all bad because it smacks of, I mean, it's opportunistic, right? We know these guys aren't like benevolent NFT creators trying to help the world. Let's be honest. I'm not trying to like throw that much shade, but these are guys who have a serial pattern of trying to make a lot of money and then investigate in companies that in turn make a lot of money, but that ultimately like get raked over the coals for questionable business practices and hostile work environments. I mean, these are people who have formed some of the companies that are in the press today about how they need to yeah. totally change their culture to be, you know, a better, to be a better place to like work and better services to offer.
1: You, uh, it, you and I don't talk enough about movies and television, but are, have you watched the We Crash?
0: <laughs> yes. I, um, mean, I mean, we're, it's, we're current. It's, it's, it's such a – You're, you're in it. Form. Yeah, You're in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Take that movie. Um, I mean, by the way, between Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway, that is a great cast, well-done Apple, top-level content creation. And the storyline of what we're talking about, Of it was a real estate play. You know, the whole thing was a real estate play, but the dream that they sold <laughs> was anything but that. And, it, you know, I, I I just think there are a lot of parallels, even though I, I just spent 20 minutes talking about, you know, the other side metaverse land only being purchased in a certain currency. We're talking mm-hmm. re- real
0: estate development.
1: <laughs> it's the same thing, but yeah, now we're yeah, applying yeah. it.
0: As you say that, <laughs> it really is funny because... Like the metaverse as land yeah. I mean, and actually Crypto Voxels. Now that I think about it, and Sandbox, right? Like all yeah. three of those po- very popular, but still not owned by the evil corporate overlord company yet. All of those metaverses are actually just selling real estate. Just a real estate play,
1: just the land, and you can build whatever you whatever. want. Whatever
0: you can, we can build. We can build a new future together. <laughs> that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It really does. You know, I haven't actually thought about that, but that is that is really wild to think about it. because, again, like the and, and to keep kind of with a straight face, you know, you convince yourself, like in the in the show, those characters in real life. They could basically convince themselves in their own insanity that what they were doing was something different. We are a tech company. We are a these this thing. We're basically all these things except a realistic company. And now I, I'm actually realizing it kind of just blew my mind uh, today because now I'm realizing that literally everyone who's attached to anything to do with any metaverse is talking in that same kind of heady, like I'm literally floating across the ground. I'm changing the world. We're creating opportunity. We're enabling artists. We all going to make it. We're giving back to community. We're together <laughs> going to It's like, and, and then when you actually boil it all down, it's like, no, it's a digital burning man with a bunch of bullshit. And you're still selling me plots of land. And ultimately, what can I do with it? But but just keep paying you taxes on it. I mean, it's like, yeah, man. Wow, you just you just made well, my chair for a second there.
1: I'm going to call it another episode of absolute fire. We've got to keep on this cadence, man. Um, Man. Let's do it again next week.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, mind officially blown. the, The next thing I would say that what we didn't touch on too, too deep though, which I really do think is interesting is when you talk about mainstream, you talk about watchdog groups, right? Watchdog groups really don't exist until something is mainstream. So I think that that's, that SRO, that our latest fun acronym of the Self-Regulatory Organization, let's tease this for the next episode. But I look at that and think, okay, the movie industry never really became something until the MPAA was formed, until a, a, a third-party watchdog group who observed and ranked for family values how movies should be rated, until the ESRB... It was created to monitor video games and to make sure that thing, the discs that went into families' homes were appropriate. Until those third parties existed, the industries themselves couldn't mature and then blow through the ceiling that they were already in, right? Separating themselves from all the, the rest of the fodder. And this, if, as soon as these SROs start rolling in and start creating that layer of I mean i hate to say like family values but like it's about like american culture appropriateness everyone agrees it's quote unquote it's okay for this demographic or this age group um i don't think we're gonna like we're just gonna see people taking advantage of the system left right and center so i think we should talk about a little bit how oversight of our parents as i cringe is important for growth of an industry Uh, i mean that to me also is kind of blowing my mind like are we that Simple that we just keep doing the same thing generation after generation. I don't know.
1: Over and over. Oh. Over.